Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your go-to resource for all things pipeline and revenue production in the tech sales world. Technology marketing, sales development, sales, and revenue operations have combined to create the go-to market engine fueling the success of SaaS startups and established companies alike. Each week, the Sales Development Podcast dives deeply into the strategies, tactics, people, processes, and technology that fuels the revenue machine. The Sales Development Podcast is brought to you by Tenbound. Get more free resources, insights, and intelligence today at tenbound.com. And be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am super excited to talk today. Joe Kevins is the founder of B2B SaaS Reviews. So this guy is the absolute guru of B2B SaaS reviews, which is a huge topic. And I was lucky enough to stumble on your research, Joe. You also are the director of demand gen, if I'm right, at PartnerStack. You actually are doing this and keeping up your commitments there. It's amazing. Joe, how did you become so interested in B2B SaaS reviews? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. For me, it goes back and it kind of ties into your world with sales development. My first job in software was actually back at Eloqua in 2011. And at the time, and this is even like 10 plus years ago, working as an inbound SDR, what I found was the best leads were the ones that were coming through software advice or looking at an analyst report, like a Gartner Magic Quadrant. And that was the first kind of light bulb moment early on about, hmm, like as a vendor, the buyer doesn't really fully trust me and what I'm saying. They want to see what does the expert analyst have to say and then what do the peer reviews have to say. And then since then, you know, I transitioned into a marketing role and I started working demand gen at sales-led companies. So I was always in that kind of marketing assisting sales side of the business. And over the years, I ended up doing a stop at a company called Influitive, which is customer marketing and advocacy. They're big on the review space. And they would find these really interesting data points that would survey broadly what where people trust in institutions, companies, where do they basically turn for information and who do they trust? And the trend over the last 10 years, there's been kind of a steady decline in companies. People are turning more and more to people they know. So you're seeing things like communities, relationships. But with reviews, they're basically seeing it as a way to turn to their peers and say like, okay, I'm not going to put as much faith in the marketing and sales claims of the vendor. I'm going to see what people like me, people I can relate to, have experience with this product. And then, yeah, in my demand gen role, I've always kind of also worked on reviews as a way to lay a foundation of demand creation and capture for companies that, you know, more and more people, as you talked about on one of your previous episodes, that's that we hear often about how the buying process today, 60, 70, whatever percent, but a lot of that percent before they engage with the buyer, they're turning to third parties, review sites, communities, peers. So it's just become so integral to the way people buy both in the consumer world, but now increasingly more and more in the B2B world too. So yeah, in COVID times, I don't know, I had a kid and I started thinking longer term, what do I want to do? And I found that this was like a business passion of mine to, to really think about the role reviews play now. And that's where I really went deep on the content on the site, why they matter, where to get reviews, and then how to go out and get them. 
Yeah, and reviews are such a part of our lives. I mean, we use it from a B2C perspective constantly, and now in B2B, it's so much more trusted. But how did you go from thinking about reviews and then sitting down and writing your initial opus, you know, (laughs) (laughs) getting it out of your head and onto paper? Yeah, I think part of it was last few years working in jobs where it was as a demand gen marketer, part of my job to go get reviews. And as you're doing that, it seems pretty straightforward. We need reviews, ask some customers. But then along the way, you kind of realize the nuance and some of the decisions you have to make about, oh, actually, there's a dozen places we can get reviews. How do I prioritize them? Which ones should I start with? Should I just focus on one or should I diversify, go for a few? I found like the my online search for this kind of information, you'd find it from the review sites themselves. I saw an opportunity or maybe a gap for something that was review site agnostic. So the initial thought was, what about a review site that isn't like covering the review sites from a point of view that isn't a review site itself? So there'd be a little less bias. That was kind of where I started with, where it's like the lay of the land of here are the review sites you need to know in the B2B space. Here's how they differ. Here's the use cases, who should use them, et cetera. But then from there, with a sales and marketing background, just always kind of wanting to start with the problem or kind of the why, like why we even bother with reviews in the first place. So that was where I was like, okay, let's really step way back and think about this and go deep. Like, let's do this once, but do it properly. Why do reviews matter? The whole buying process, how it's changing. That's kind of how I started from there. And then now it's just all about building on it and getting probably more and more tactical as I go. Yep. And it's almost like you're an analyst of the review space, which I don't think I've ever bumped into before. (laughs) It seems like a really ripe for analysis of reviews. And there's a lot of companies involved in reviews. There's a lot of people. People have different opinions about reviews and whether they're to be trusted themselves or not. There's a lot to look at with this topic. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I think no one's covered it because I don't know if there's any money in it, to be honest. Like, if I'm being completely candid, like, play my role right now, I think that might be one of the reasons why there's a gap. I work with the review sites, but not in any sort of commercial capacity. I think there was an opportunity there. But yeah, I mean, the review sites, they kind of, in the B2B space, when the, the main players started out 10 years ago, they kind of firmly stated that the analysts were kind of the enemy and that. They were the problem and review sites were going to fix that, where instead of it being one or two expert opinion, where they'd publish a report once a year, they were going to go out and get a steady flow of user reviews, kind of democratize the whole process. But yeah, there was certainly no, I don't think, analyst coverage of the review sites until some of Gartner's kind of got now into the review site game itself with Gartner Digital Markets and then now Gartner Peer Insights for the enterprise market. So yeah, I think there's a bit of a gap I'm trying to cover with it. So. Yeah, hoping more and more people kind of stumble upon it like you and find value in it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you do make me think, this is 10 years ago, The I won't say who said it, but they said they were going to take the magic out of the magic quadrant. (laughs) (laughs) Democratizing it, fast forward to today, and everybody's got a magic quadrant. It's just a box, you know, and the one who said that is actually got a magic quadrant that's dynamic based on the number of reviews that they have. So, you know, I'll take that with a grain of salt. It's interesting because there's a bit of distrust of analysts because for some reason, 
their biggest clients and the ones who are like sponsoring their conferences and stuff are the ones that are up and to the right all the way yeah. in their door <laughs> yeah. box. I don't know. I don't know what happens yeah. behind the scenes. It's kind of a smoky room. But then you go to now the review sites and it's essentially repeating itself. They're the same ones. How do you sift through and trust the sites when they're trying to make money just like any other business? I think that's a major question. And I think they're all working through that, trying to grapple with it. I think as whenever you have that financial interest there, it's hard to achieve full trust. And I think that's why you're seeing people turn more and more to communities and their peers directly, because they want to just know what's the honest truth. Like, don't try to sell me anything here. Like, give it to me straight. So I think like the review sites, I think where they give credit where it's due, they have taken it from being just one or two people that are doing it kind of on an infrequent basis to saying there's now millions of B2B SaaS reviews in the last 10 years. It's crazy to think like just 10 years ago, that didn't exist. And then for a lot of people, they want to find people like them that have used the product, relatable people, same context, same role. And with the explosion of all the tech out there, I think the reality is most people just don't have the network to know someone who's actually used the product. So they don't really have the luxury of saying like, I'm just going to go turn to my friend who I know has used this and he can kind of, or he or she can kind of give it to me straight. You know, it's not ideal, but I think a lot of people still, like the data will show, they'll turn to search, still go to review sites, still want to see what the peers have to say. And the B2B review sites, also to their credit, unlike consumer spaces where pretty much like you write a review, it gets posted. And unless someone complains or there's some sort of AI detection that it's fake, it's up there. A lot more issues with authenticity and fake reviews. But the B2B software review site, they all have validated processes where to write a review, you have to prove that you're a user. Usually it's like show a screenshot of you logged in, manually verified each one. But I think there's a lot more integrity with the reviews that are out there in the B2B space. And I think the room's a little less smoky because with the analysts, you know, there's that long-term relationship building with one or two people, maybe some wine and dining and paying for the certain programs. Review sites, they don't really have that. They've got their algorithm for how they kind of rank vendors. So it's more so about, I guess, the vendor influence of kind of people gaming the algorithm more so where it's like they're kind of seeing like, okay, this is how it works. Ask any CEO what they want to see on a review site. And it's usually, I want to see my company rank as high as possible. There is a little bit of that mistrust there where it's like, are these really the companies that are the highest reviewed, most popular, or are they the ones that kind of know how to play at the algorithm best, right? And I think on social, you'll see a lot of people speak to the negatives because it plays well just to kind of fully criticize them. But in my opinion, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle where it's like, they're still highly valuable, still a good shortcut for deciding how to make a shortlist, how to decide which vendors you're going to spend your time with. You had said on a previous episode, like no one's got time for 27 demos, but you need a way to figure out who are the three or four I'm going to spend time with. Review sites still are quite effective at that to try to narrow down the field and get a sense of who should I really narrow my search on and spend the time on. You mentioned it. I think that the buyer journey has changed a lot and you touched on this. And as you go through as the director of demand gen and you identify a problem, do you follow that research process and go through the same process that you're sort of describing that people go through these days? 
Yeah. I mean, I personally still turn to search frequently and use these review sites and kind of scan them and try to make sense of my options. But I think like most buyers, it's not the silver bullet. It's not just relying on review sites, right? It's also turning to your peers and communities. It's also your own past experience. And also we've been criticizing the analysts, but depending on your use case, sometimes they like a good analyst that knows the space. And especially if you're more of an enterprise buyer, there's value there too. And I think I kind of use a combination of those. To me, it's still very valuable. I mean, you see the odds post from marketing thought leaders out there that will just say like, other review sites are kind of thing of the past because of some of these issues they're working through. But I think if you like all the web traffic data that you can get on the review sites, and personally, as a director of demand gen, just firsthand seeing the data, I think like at partner stack, 40% of our buyers will look at review sites in that process. And quite a few will actually discover us there. So to me, it's still a very integral whole process. Yeah, it almost seems like it's just beginning now, even though it's been going for 10 years yeah. plus. I have one of those little Amazon things that you talk to. I'm not going to say her name because she's right there. Until you can say, hey, Amazon, what's the best B2B data provider? And the AI goes out and finds the exact one that's perfect for you. We're not quite there yet. So there's still some research that has to take place and even demos, (laughs) right? Exactly. Yeah. There's context and use cases. Another episode I was listening to, I think you mentioned if you're a startup SMB, you probably don't want to hone in on the top right in the quadrant vendor because they're probably out of your price point. You kind of also have to play with those filters as well and kind of know what type of solutions best for your needs. It's so true. And going back to how I discovered you, if someone's either on the demand gen side or potentially using review sites, Where's a good place to start with learning about this whole process from the research that you've done? I think if you're a demand gen marketer, I think each of the review sites have a lot of educational resources to help you out. I think what I've attempted to do with B2B SaaS reviews is kind of be that first jump off point, if you will, where it's if you need to know you're in B2B SaaS, here are 10 sites, the top 10 review sites, most common, most popular ones. See which ones that kind of fit your needs the most. Because they do differ. Like if you're targeting SMBs and you're a B2B marketer with a paid budget, maybe you want to work with Captera, where you can basically bid your way to rank highly and it's a pay-per-click model and it's very black and white with the math about you pay X for a lead and then see if you can make more than that with revenue. Whereas something like G2, that's not an option. It's a bit more of either a brand play to kind of show up more often in search or it's to kind of influence your buyer when they're looking at reviews, wherever they are in the process, and then basically subscribing to their intent data. So you kind of know which companies are looking into your category so you can proactively get sales and marketing messages to them. It kind of depends where you need to go. I think I always recommend people on the demand gen side would start with search because I think search is still very important in the buyer journey. So put in best insert your category and see who bubbles to the top. That's probably a good starting point because if you're in the B2C space, the review site's going to be completely different than the B2B space. These are the three review sites everyone's got to focus on. You kind of have to figure out for your own space, which ones are the ones that kind of show up the most. So interesting because I almost see your website becoming the review site for review sites, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a little meta like that. It's yeah, a meta. Yeah, no way. 
It's a coffee table book about coffee tables. Um, again, like I said, there's so much energy in the sector and there's so many review sites and there's so many people that are interested in this and there's no analyst who's the god of review sites. I was uncomfortable with Guru, now really uncomfortable with God. <laughs> Guy that knows a little bit about reviews. So that's You're all. getting I'm promoted. Canadian. I gotta be modest. Yeah. The podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. What's next for your research and your site as you're thinking of how do I expand this or how do I become more useful to people? Where do you see this going? Yeah, I think I spent a couple of years, what I would say, like kind of describing what's already out there, but kind of summarizing it. What I've been working on the last few months was actually running a couple of survey reports to kind of add to what's known about online reviews in both the consumer space and the B2B space. So I just published those a few weeks ago. So those are still fresh. I'm still kind of working on the rollout and promotion of that. Because I think there are some interesting findings in that, going back to your example about, you know, no one's got time for 27 demos. They kind of narrow it down to three three or four. One of the questions I asked both B2B and B2C buyers was, if you could go to a review site, how many vendors will you actually take the time to go through and read reviews about them? Because... Even reading reviews going through 27 vendor profiles is a, is a pretty tall task. So in both cases, most said somewhere between three to five. It's interesting to see, and this is part of the challenge with the review sites, where the review sites want to avoid any kind of vendor gaming. They want it to be the most honest, accurate representation of the vendors. But on the other hand, the vendors probably know if they're in a category with 200 vendors, if they're 150, that's not going to help. It's almost going to be a disservice. So First priority is how do I kind of show up better? How do I kind of get in the ring and, and kind of get noticed? So, yeah, I think it's just kind of rolling out some of those findings so people that are on either side, demand gen or reviews, kind of have kind of a line of sight in that. From there, I think it's just kind of building more on the actual review content. There's still quite a bit to write. So, kind of slowly dripping that out as best I can when I'm not doing the day job and the two and a half year old at home as a dad. <laughs> that doesn't take time. I mean, those insights are so interesting. Is there a newsletter? I mean, what's the best way if people are as passionate about this as you to stay on top of your research? Yeah, they can subscribe. There is a newsletter. It's so every two to four weeks. So usually it's pretty content rich, but it's pretty infrequent because I know there's probably a lot of people that have a general interest in this, but maybe not a deep dive kind of interest. So yeah, just trying to be mindful of that. But it is a good way to stay in touch with the research and work we're putting out. Yeah. And I've got a lot of ideas for this, but <laughs> good friend of mine, he's one of the top sales tech analysts. He's independent and he makes a living on his newsletter subscriptions. Maybe you're giving it away for free <laughs> and you should be charging people. So just something to think about. <laughs> Maybe one day. Yeah, there's lots of people that, that are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're the only game in town, then it's just a simple supply and demand. There's nobody who knows as much. I'm doing it again, but there's nobody who knows <laughs> as much about reviews as you <laughs> who doesn't work at one of the big review sites. Monetize that thing, man. Anyways, that's my advice. <laughs> Good for thought. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom, and we'll make sure we'll put a link to the newsletter and it's free for now, but get on there right. and to the site. So for all the other review nerds out there, we can go and geek out. I appreciate you coming on the show. 
Awesome. Thanks, David. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.